Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. It's the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I am joined by Dave Somerville. Dave, how are you doing? Uh, just a delight to be here. A bit of a later edition, but uh, look, what better way to spend Friday night? Absolutely. Obviously, now we'd already planned to have this way earlier in the in the week, yes. but you know how things are, Dave. Christmas and then New Year, and it just just didn't quite work out. Other commitments and everything. But um, yes, there we go. This is episode. Do you know what episode this is, Dave? Take a guess. Happy far off fifty. So um, do you know free? what? 546. We are not far off 50 at all. In fact, we're so far. So what? So not far off 50. So far. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 46. After this, we've got we're four so, more episodes. So and then we've got a 50th episode extravaganza. And we've yeah. got something, something in the pipeline for all you lovely people there. Now, also, um, we've got just two weeks. In fact, just one week, I beg your pardon, one week left of the regular season. We're going to have a giveaway for the uh, Von Miller shirt, uh, kindly offered to us by uh, Empty House Traders and uh, Lewis Revival. So we're going to be doing that after next week. So we'll be doing that in next week's podcast. Uh, keep an eye on Twitter as well. We're going to be getting that competition going. And uh, Dave, it was a wild week in the NFL. Week 17. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it, not really for all the right reasons either. But um, no. yeah, it, it, it's never dull in in our league, is it? It, it absolutely it is never. They ever. don't know what. They don't know how to have a dull week in the NFL. So it, it just doesn't stop. But you know, we we'll cover it as much as we can. As uh, we'll cover the facts anyway. Yeah, we certainly will. And of course, we're going to start off with the Thursday night game, which was the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans at Nissan Stadium in front of sixty nine thousand two hundred ninety two people. And the Dallas Cowboys come away with a twenty seven to thirteen victory over the Titans. Um, not much to say about this one, Dave. I think pretty. It went sort of pretty much the way everyone expected it to go. But what did you take from this game? And the only unexpected thing was that the quarterback that started for the Titans, it was Joshua Dobbs. And he's pretty well, he's been around the league. Uh, yeah, I, I remember he was drafted by the Steelers, I want to say, but he's been in and out of squads um, to, since he entered the league, basically. Um, you know, he must be in the league about five, six years now. But he was starting uh, for the Titans. Um, no Malik Willis, no Ryan Tannehill. I mean, the Titans season is coming off a cliff edge at this point. Uh, the Cowboys just they, they didn't really have to do much in this game. But, you know, they made it exciting to the Titans uh, because Dak was picked off twice in the game, which well, it's a bit unexpected. They stopped, stopped the Cowboys' run game, but every time Dak completed the ball, it seemed to go for big yardage, and C.D. Lamb was on fire. Another 100-yard game, 11 receptions in the game. Uh, two touchdowns for Dalton Schultz, so Dak using his tight end really well there. And T.Y. Hilton also got four receptions for 50 yards. Um, there was, I, I think it was a big game on defense for the Cowboys. For Nash- Is it Nashon Wright? I can't, I can't pronounce his, his first name, but I know he's a uh, cornerback for the Cowboys. Um, six tackles, three assists, and an interception. So... Yeah, yeah, it's a good game for him, but uh, yeah, the Cowboys just easily um, winning their second last game, and yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to see the Cowboys not having a 
good postseason if they carry on like this. They're, they're currently, I think it's 12 and 4 they are now. So, yeah. I mean, Tim will be happy. That's pretty much what I take from this game. I think Tim will be very happy with this one. Very happy indeed with this one. Um, yeah, so the Cowboys are now 12 and 4. So, um, as you look at the, the standings, uh, around the NFL, the Cowboys are in second place in the NFC East. They're twelve and four. Philadelphia Eagles are thirteen and three. So they're tied to the Minnesota Vikings and the San Francisco 49ers of the twelve and four record. Um, the 49ers obviously have an advantage being at the top of their division, as do the Vikings. Um, the Cowboys are definitely a dangerous team, though. Um, so we'll see how they get on. Uh, you know, come playoff time, which is just two uh-huh. weeks away. It's unbelievable. Um, so we're going to move on, Dave. We come to the Atlanta Falcons and the Arizona Cardinals at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta in front of 69,269 fans. And the Falcons squeeze out. And when I say squeeze, I mean squeeze out a win here with a 20-19 to victory over the Cardinals. By halftime, it was a 14-13 to the Falcons, um, but then it was just field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal in the second half. 20-19 for the Falcons. From a neutral point of view, Dave, it wasn't a great game, but what did you think of this one? I mean, Cardinals are on their what, fourth or fifth quarterback now. Um, they, they had signed David Blau to come in for this game, and he, he didn't really have one to remember, really. Um, look at stats, 24-40 for 222 yards. He did have a touchdown. He didn't throw any picks, but he wasn't... Uh, the ones that he missed, he wa- they weren't the most accurate ones. Uh, and it was the young quarterback, Desmond Ritter, who has finally been given a chance uh, at quarterback for the Falcons. No sign of Mariota. And Mariota, who... What, what we can... Or what I've seen online is that the Falcons are disappointed in Mariota's reaction to being benched. Because Desmond Ritter has been supportive of Mariota all year. He, he's been, he's been, you know, the perfect backup quarterback. He's been trying to learn from Mariota, and then Mariota seems to have thrown his toys out the prime a little bit uh, after being benched. So Desmond Ritter comes in, has a pretty good game, pretty solid game. Because Falcons, obviously, they've got uh, Algier and Parson are running back, so you'd expect them to be running the ball a lot. Um, and in the end, they had they had quite a lot of the. The clock as well, nearly account for 55% of that. Um, Desmond Ritter, 19 of 26 for 169 yards. He wasn't throwing it long, but he was throw- He was getting his accuracy really on point. So I think that's a learning curve for him. Um, between Algier and Patterson, they had 29 carries for 125 yards. It's standard, but they, they literally scraped it out. And of course, a walk-off field goal for young Hoku. We we love we love this kicker. He's, he's brilliant as young Hoku. So uh, and plus the Cardinals lost. So I'm really happy for the Falcons in that regard as well. So moving on to the next game, Dave, we come to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers at Raymond James Stadium in front of sixty nine thousand two hundred ninety eight fans. And I thought the Panthers were going to win this. I did, and they were up fourteen to ten. In fact, at one point they were up fourteen to nothing, but then the yeah. Buccaneers came back uh, with ten points at halftime. It was up at fourteen ten at halftime, but nothing in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, wouldn't you know, the uh, Buccaneers defense absolutely clamped down to the Panthers. You could get nothing done in that second half. 
uh, giving Tom Brady the chance to actually have yet another victory under his belt and takes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a 30-24 victory over the Carolina Panthers. Um, Dave, again, this game really wasn't much to, to watch at all. We had a few of these games early on where you're like, it's really not helping uh, any sort of neutral fans um, or um, impartial fans, I should say, on, on this but what did you make like of us. this game? Another win for the Buccaneers. Yeah, well, I, I don't think we're the most impartial fans when it comes to this game. But uh, I think we were both disappointed at the outcome of this game. But this is the best that Tom Brady has looked all season in this game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, him and Mike Evans combining for 207 yards. It was just, you know, the deep balls were going to Evans. But... Don't, don't forget about Chris Godwin as well, who also put up 120 yards of the game. But Evans with three touchdowns, 10 receptions, 207 yards, three touchdowns. Brady was 34-45. He nearly, he nearly threw as many years as he's been on the planet uh, for 432 yards, three touchdowns and no picks. That That's that's immense. They were playing the Panthers, though, Yeah, which kind of picks it back a bit. But we don't know which Panthers are going to turn up and... Their run game, their defense on the run game really turned up because between Fournette and is it uh, Rashad White, so they combined for twenty-one carries for fifty yards. That's really, really poor um, from the Fournette and White. So I don't know—is that the Bucks or is that the Panthers? Because I think Fournette's been really unhappy uh, this season, and I think it's just continuing all time. So I'm wondering if it's just. Uh, maybe the personnel or the type of play calls from the um, Buccaneers. So, I mean, I don't want to talk about big up to Tom Brady too much, but you're right. The, Pan- the Panthers kind of, you know, uh, collapsed really in that second half. Um, Brady was sacked three times though, which I I, I quite enjoyed uh, thoroughly. Um, they were pretty poor on third down though. This was something else I noted that they were only four fifteen third down with the box so they you know plenty punts a couple field goal attempts as well um there are a couple fumbles in the game as well and um uh, sam darnold also had a pick as well but sam darnold did all right uh, you know on the ones he completed because he was 23 of 37 341 yards three touchdowns one interception they could not get the run game going whatsoever the panthers need their run game to have any success in games i think the 24 points was almost it it almost sort of made the Panthers look a lot better than they were. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was a deserved victory because of the Panthers just self-annihilating themselves. The only kind of, well, the, two, the standout in offense for the Panthers it was DJ Moore, six receptions for 117 yards and the TD. And on defense, I also noted someone I think we mentioned earlier in the season is their linebacker, Frankie Louvu who had 10 tackles, three assists, and a sack of Tom Brady to put on his highlight reel. So, big up him. And, yeah, it's the, the Bucks sadly look in pole position to win. And I, I can't... Is there a scenario where they don't get it now? No, I, th- I think that's it. I think last week the, um, the Saints could have caught them, but because the Panthers lost, I think think that's the, they can't do it now so the buccaneers to the best of my knowledge i think have the um have the the division sewn up so that's them they're going to win they, they've won that division <laughs> with an eight and eight record it might be eight and nine 
and win that division. Oh, they're, they're, yeah, they're in yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going to move on from NFC South to NFC North where the Detroit Lions take on the Chicago Bears at Ford Field in front of 66,169 fans and they watch their Detroit Lions put on an absolute hammering on the Bears after going down 7 to nothing early in the first. They then responded by knocking out 41 total points 41 to 10 was the final score. DeAndre Swift had a couple of touchdowns in this game. Um, and Cole Komet had a, he opened the scoring with a 13 yard pass from Justin Fields. But after that, Dave, they could get nothing done. Justin Fields had another big day running the ball. But, yeah. you know, I mean, his, I mean, his passing stats, I'm, you know, they're so disgusting. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to say what they are. I'll let you do that. I'm so disgusted by Justin Fields' passing stats in this game. Uh, but another guy who stood out for me, Aidan Hutchinson. This guy is just getting it done every single week. So, Dave, passing it on to you, 41-10 to 10 to the Lions over the Bears. You will not be happy. Callum will be sad. What did you think? I mean... Uh, you know the Lions. We know what their offensive capable is capable of, and Dan Campbell goes for it. He's, he's just that kind of coach, and I, that's why we love him. And you know, even even though it's Ewan's team, and you know, I love to need, needle Ewan as much as possible. Uh, I'm I'm a convert. The Lions are just a team I want to see do really well. And between in, in Hutchinson, and then don't forget about James Houston. Now he plays for Lions. Well, he's at, he's only twenty four. But he racked up three sacks in this game. Hutchinson managed to get a pick in this game. Another pick. This was, isn't the first time that he's picked it off. No, I think is that his. Hang on now. I'm going. I'm going to have to look. Third? Is that his third interception of the season? I feel season? like that's his third. This he's a year. defensive end. Yeah, they're not supposed I to think, have multiple interceptions. And he was. Uh, in case anyone who hasn't seen this thinks that he got this interception because you know a ball was batted up and he caught it, he was in coverage. He was covering a player down he the field. Back, yeah. yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Uh, fantastic, such an athletic player. Yeah, he is. But um, I mean, that whole defensive line was just on point because on the other end, on the on the left hand side, you also had I've uh, got his name written down, uh, Joshua Pascal. So he had two sacks and four tackles in the game as well. Now we know what Justin Fields is like with his run game. So quite often, if he does maybe sort of see the play breaking down and goes run by a loser yards, that tends to go down. That goes down as a sack. Okay, so in the game, he was sacked seven times. Now, uh, five of them was between uh, Houston, who I, I think I think Houston's out. Is he a safety? I don't. Oh, he might be. He might be a linebacker. Actually, I can't remember. I was watching the game. This was the game I watched. Um, I, I in fairness, I was falling asleep. But um, there was also, uh, Josh had two of those sacks. Aiden Hodgson had half a sack. I think that was joined with uh, the cornerback, maybe that I can't pronounce. Melophone, we'll go for uh, him. <laughs> go for that. And, uh, James Houston's yeah. a linebacker. Yeah, so he's a linebacker. He's a linebacker. Okay, I think he, he quite often does drop in coverage, but he seemed to be like blitzing a lot. Uh, for, for the Lions in this game. Uh, the other sack came from uh, John Kaminsky, who is also a defensive front lineman. So um, the only linebacker getting through was James Houston. And when he did, he was very, very successful at it. But Justin Fields, let's focus on the other side of the coin. Justin Fields, 7 of 21 
for 75 yards. He did have one touchdown, like you said. Yes. Uh, that to Cochranet. <laughs> and that was it. He also had one pick uh, to Aiden Hodgson. And that was it. He rushed 10 times for 130 yards, which is very, very good. He looks very good early on, uh, you know, leading up to that uh, Bears touchdown. And then nothing. It was nothing. Nothing of anything of nothing of whatever you want to say it it's, it was just horrific yeah now, he was he was he was sacked as many times as he had completions he was yeah and, just, and there was also a fumble I, I can't um i've got it written down i don't have anything else about it but yeah. um there was also I, I mean they couldn't really get the run game going too much um nothing like they had it has been in the past you know we bears rack up over 200 yards in games easily yeah. uh, with uh, khalil harbert david montgomery but 11 carries, 55 yards, that's averaging five yards a carry. They just didn't. Right? That, that's, what, that, that's where they were designed running back runs. And they just didn't sort of pick up on it. Lions weren't really able to uh, kind of keep, when Fields was getting out of the pocket, they were struggling. When the, they were running the ball, they were struggling. Every time Fields had, had it in his hands, Lions were like, yeah, go on in, off you go. And that was it. There was not Fields could get nothing done through the air, and you know we we had a lot of optimism for uh, Justin Fields, uh, but midway through the season they were coming on a bit better. They put in good performances, maybe not quite getting a W. I don't know now. It's up in the air, especially after that game. That was poor. It was a very poor game by them. So we're going to be moving on now, and this was an inter. Conference battle between the Washington Commanders and the Cleveland Browns over a FedEx field in front of 50,827 fans who watched, well, it's hard to say really, Carson Wentz at quarterback for the Washington Commanders. He was hopeless. I mean, he was absolutely hopeless for the Commanders. And apart from one drive, that they, they put together. One really, really long drive. Um, but that was it. The the Cleveland Browns came away with a 24-10 win. They never looked like, even though it was 7-3 to Washington at halftime, the, the commanders never looked like they were going to win this game. Um, so, Dave, I'm going to put it to you. I mean, what did you make of this game? It was... It was hard. I got another slog, hard game to watch, and such. It's so it was so good to have that Detroit Lions game against the Bears. I yes. know it was a blowout, but at least we got to see an offense that functions like an offense. This was another one where you're just like, oh my word! Will, will someone just end this game for me, please? Twenty four ten, Dave. What was your view? Uh, Sean Watson was horrific. He was terrible in in the game. I mean, he he was sacked five times. Uh, in, in the game uh, with Wentz getting sacked three times as well but Deshaun Watson uh, through the air was 9 of 18 for 169 yards still managed to rack up three touchdowns now they were obviously they were quite were pretty much um, they, there was one to Amari Cooper oh sorry two to Amari and Donovan Peoples-Jones got one reception for 13 yards in the entire game so there's not a lot to say. They, they gave it to Nick Chubb a lot. Nick Chubb did Nick Chubb things. 14 carries for 104 yards. Um, one man that I think is definitely going to be a free agent next year is Kareem Hunt. He had two carries for zero yards. And through the air, he had one reception for minus one yards. So Kareem Hunt is going to be a free agent 
readily available. There's a lot of free agents that are running backs coming up after next week. Um, I mean, this was an awful game. Carson Wentz, it's, uh, his career as a franchise quarterback is over, as far as I'm concerned. How they, it's even a possibility for next year is just ridiculous. It's, it's just stupid. Now, Taylor Haneke is probably is a good backup. I, I don't think that he's a he's a he's a, he's going to be a really good franchise quarterback, but he's better than Wentz and he's it's a, a lot really better. low bar. He's a lot better yeah. than Wentz. The fans were booing, fans were chanting for Heineke again. How many weeks is it going to take before you know someone listens? And yeah, I mean the the commanders they, they, they were trying to run the ball a lot more later on. They were getting some done, but um, you know they were they were still averaging about three and a half yards per carry, which isn't ideal. Went through three picks, a sixty of twenty eight for one hundred forty three yards. Browns are seven and nine. I don't know how because Deshaun Watson it was absolute garbage in this game, but Carson Wentz was basically the the entire rubbish tip in this game. So yeah, it was one that that's. That's one of the worst quality games I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty poor. I mean, the only thing of note, as I mentioned earlier, is that uh, the Commanders had a long drive. They had a drive, Dave. Uh, it was a 96-yard drive. The one that set up uh, the touchdown for Wentz. Uh-huh. 21 plays, 11 minutes and 27 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, 21 that's, that's, It's old school. It's very old school. Oh, very you know, old school. You're running the ball. Word. And then getting yards, but that's Ron Rivera. That that's that's something that he does really well. Well, you know, see, when, when here's his, the thing: his teams. You yeah. see, he does it well. So they had 11 minutes and 27 on one drive. They finished the entire game, the entire game, with 33 minutes of possession. And you think? I th- it, yeah, I think with better personnel, well, better quarterback, a better quarterback. Taylor Heineken yeah. would done better with that. So there we are, Dave. We're going to be moving on to the next game. And it was the New York Giants and the Indianapolis Colts at MetLife Stadium for the 77,399 fans. And they watched their New York football giants putting it to the Colts with a 38-10 win. Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, two rushing touchdowns in this one, two passing touchdowns as well. And... What can you say, Dave? The, the the Giants, they actually they looked pretty good. And you can say, yeah, it was against the Colts, but they actually looked pretty good in this game. And considering that the you know the amount of injuries they've had and what looks like arguably the worst receiving core in the entire NFL, Daniel Jones actually looked above average. Very above average. And he, he kind of tar- you know awoke his inner kind of prime Michael Vick. Uh, you know, with, with uh, it was 19 of 24 through the air for 177 yards, two touchdowns, then 11 carries from 91 yards and two touchdowns as well. So, abs MVP of this game by far. Um, they they had a decent a decent day rushing as well. 21 carries between Breda and Saquon Barkley that racked up 117 yards. And Daniel Jones's new favorite, well, I say new, but his uh, uh, target Richie James. Um, just getting it done, seven receptions for 76 yards and the touchdown. So I, I, I don't know. I still don't know what to make of the Giants. I, I don't think any of us really know what to make of the Giants. Um, it, it was a, probably a really poor game uh, from the Colts. 
Um, Nick Foles went down injured uh, after a sack from Thibodeau, and he, you know, he, he was quite clearly injured, but Thibodeau was doing a basically an invisible snowman uh, on the ground. So no angels, yeah. Like a, yeah, snow angel, yeah, and he, he got a bit of flack for that, which, I, I, in fair, I don't think he realised, and he was just celebrating the sack, which I think they'd been clamping down on a little bit. But, um, yeah, Nick Foles down injured uh, quite badly, and in came Sam Ellinger. He played a bit better than Foles. He wasn't able to get any good yardage. He was 9-14 for 60 yards and a touchdown. And there was also one pick. Uh, Nick Foles was picked off by, I think it was Landon Collins? I can't remember. I, I saw I saw the highlights. Yeah, I saw, I saw the highlights of it. I think it was. Um, but, yes, um, Colts couldn't get anything done. Really poor game for the Colts. Um, Zach Moss was okay at running back. Um, but I think the Colts are a heck of a lot of work to do. Um, I, I don't know who's going to come in. Jeff Sardis, after this season, I can't see it happening. I think they're going to have to go for some experience. 4-11-1. Um, they've got, they've got a, a good first-round pick, obviously, coming up. Do you go for a quarterback? Do you maybe trade up? one of the top top couple picks for a quarterback it could be i i think they will i, I can't see any yeah. way that they don't um it looks to me as if that's got to be the way they go now i think they've got to do a full reset to the quarterback position okay. they need to do something yeah. in order to <clears throat> sort of kick start the entire franchise so i think they they have to look at that so we're yeah. going to move on then we come to the kansas city chiefs and the denver broncos arrowhead stadium in front of seventy three thousand five hundred seventy one fans and believe it or not this was actually quite a good game. <laughs> it was. I didn't think it would be. I thought the Chiefs were absolutely going to just annihilate the Broncos. And when they went up 6 nothing early on, I thought, oh, here we go. But the Broncos fought back and fought back. Albert O caught a touchdown pass from Russell Wilson. And Wilson also had two rushing touchdowns in this game. But it wasn't enough to get them past Jarek McKinnon, Patrick Mahomes, and the rest of the Kansas City Chiefs. They come away with a 27 24 victory moves the Chiefs up to 13 and 3, pushes the Broncos down to 4 and 12. Dave, it's all yours. And without Patrick Mahomes, the Broncos would have won. It's just, it's just that simple to me. I, I, I mean, they couldn't run the ball, the Chiefs. They didn't really try to uh, that much. But Mahomes, he, he just did what he did best. Um, and, he, you know, Kelsey, seven receptions, 43 yards, no touchdowns for Kelsey. Um, but, um, I think Jared McKinnon did really well. He, he only got two carries for four yards, but then in the receiving, it was five receptions for 52 yards, two touchdowns in the game. And I think the other one went to Blake Bell, who is the second-choice tight end uh, at... or he, I think he's actually a third-choice uh, off the top of my head because I'm pretty sure Noah Gray is the second-choice tight end for the Chiefs. So, yeah, good touchdown for Bell there. Mahomes ran the show. That that they were doing, the Broncos were doing so well until the kind of last, the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah, I I was cautiously optimistic. I was just saying, are they actually going to do it? Because they ran them so close last time. I, th- I thought there's a chance here. Um, and then you know when Russell Wilson ran in for the second, uh, for a second touchdown of the game, there was plenty of time, but just couldn't quite get it over the line. It was really unlucky for them. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think the Broncos' defense, um, you know, in, in that second half, well, uh, uh, they 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 could have done, they they couldn't have done that much more. I I really feel up against someone like Patrick Mahomes, he sees things that others don't. He does things that others can't. You know, that 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 was the difference in this game. So, uh, 
Uh, if he swapped quarterbacks about, I truly believe the Broncos would have won by about 10 points, if not more. So Broncos very unlucky to lose it. They come up against the, you know what's going to be the number one seed in the AFC. And sadly, the Broncos are 4-12. Yeah, they're four and twelve, and uh, given the Seahawks a better pick week by week, unfortunately they've got one more game against the Chargers. Did you hear any note, or, or did you see any notable, markable improvements from the Broncos yourself? Actually, I did. Um, mostly, and I, I, I didn't want to say this, but it is mostly in the play calling. They, they seem mm-hmm. to be calling plays that were working, and you could you could see by the reaction of the guys in the booth. They actually cut to the booth a couple of times. The guys calling the plays um, when Russell Wilson ran in for his first t- touchdown. Big, everyone's cheering and applauding. And he hit, when he hit Albert Okwebenam for a twenty-five yard touchdown pass, everyone's standing and cheering and going, "This is it." Now, see, the Broncos lost this game. Fine, I get that. They lost to the Chiefs. They've lost what fifteen in a row. To the Kansas City Chiefs. Fine. Yes. Understandable. Since Mahomes has been there, we've not beaten the Chiefs. Okay? Now, here's the thing, though. Um, they actually played offensively pretty well. There, there, was, there was two calls in this game. There was two calls by the refs in this game, and I didn't want to um, sort of... I, I don't want to harp on about this. But I was really annoyed, so I thought, I'm not going to talk about this too much because I'll start going on. So if I start going off, Dave, I want you to, to jump in and tell me to stop, okay? No. So, <laughs> and the final play of the Broncos' final drive is a fourth down play. Um, Russell Wilson is getting sacked, and he sort of spins around. He throws the ball up in the air, and it um, Latavius Money has a chance to catch it, but he actually drops the pass. It's fourth down. He wasn't yes, getting the fourth down. Anyway. Yeah. But on that play, Russell Wilson got spun around and slammed into the turf. Now, I have no issue with the play, but I've seen that called 50 times this year. Yes. And it wasn't called. And it would have given the Bronx the first down, um, down by just three points with four minutes to go in the game. So I was a little annoyed by that. Mm-hmm. Then, the, the one before that, though, Cortland Sutton... Um, catches up in double, and I'm talking tight double coverage. Cortland Sutton goes up, elevates, catches a 52, 53-yard catch from Russell Wilson, comes down with the ball, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. At this point, the Broncos, uh, Broncos had actually scored twice at this point, beating Kansas City. I think at this point, it was 17-13. That was the score to the Broncos. We've beaten the Chiefs. And a Sutton comes down with this ball. And then the ref throws a flag for offensive pass interference. And I swear, if if you watch this play, now you can you can argue that by the book, this is offensive pass interference because his arm extends. We can see his arm extending. Okay? I get that. But like the sorry, un, unlike the rough in the passer that never was. They called this one, what I've seen a hundred times worse, not get called. And I'm sitting going, just scratching my head thinking, what, what's happening? It's not like the Broncos are threatening anyone this year. 
Do you know what I mean? We've been hopeless. Yeah. Can you, you know, give us one. Surely, the, if anything, refs should feel sorry for the Broncos at this point. And I thought, that's just, there was two really, really bad calls by the ref. Now, I'm not going to say they cost the Broncos the win. I'm not going to say that. Because I'm sure, I'm, I'm quite sure, if the Broncos had gone and scored another touchdown, if Mahomes had 20 seconds left, he'd have gone down and scored another touchdown. That's how good he is. Um, although Justin Simmons did get another interception. So uh, Justin Simmons did, yeah. did, didn't make the Pro Bowl this year. He's only played that. that, he's that only, yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 annoys me. That annoys me. That arguably the best safety, definitely. I don't, regardless of what anyone says, definitely top three in the entire NFL. You could argue he's the best safety in the entire NFL. Didn't make the Pro Bowl this year. You want to I, was, I was quite, I was quite um, disappointed that uh, Singleton didn't make the Pro Bowl either because I think he's been one of the best linebackers in the league this oh, year. Tackling machine. Mm-hmm. Do you know he holds uh, two franchise records for tackling? That doesn't surprise me. R- bonus random Absolutely stat. Yeah, yeah, bonus yeah. random stat. Alex Singleton is the uh, set a uh, franchise record with twenty-one tackles um, a few weeks ago for the Broncos. In fact, I think you caught you shouted him out in that game. Dave, I can't mm-hmm. remember which game it was. You shouted him out and said, this guy's unbelievable. And you were absolutely right. He set a franchise record. He's also tied for the franchise record tackling for the Philadelphia Eagles. Single game. Two teams. 20. Wow. Two, two teams. Not many can claim to have a franchise record of, of any stat for two separate teams. Not many people can say that. Alex Singleton is one of them. So I was quite annoyed. But anyway, that was it. Game was done. Broncos lose. Chiefs win. Uh, much happier with the Broncos. Really annoyed with the refs. But there you go. <laughs> We're going to move something on. Something to build on. Yeah, something to build on. Something to build on. We're moving on talking about something to build on. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans NRG Stadium. 64,581 fans. What did they watch? All they did was watch Travis Etienne running all over the Houston Texans. Riley Patterson kicking loads of things. And one of my favourite names, Snoop Connor. Snoop Connor had a three-yard rush in the third quarter. It was fantastic. Now, I'd never heard of Snoop Connor before. Or if I had, then I forgot. I do apologise. He's a running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why have I not Why have I not heard this guy's name? Snoop I mean, Connor. It's not, it, it's not his proper name. It, it's, you know, he, he wasn't born as Snoop Connor. How do but, you know? Uh, you know? Oh, did you actually look it up? Why? Yes. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I did. But uh, no, he was, he was a fifth round pick uh, for the for the Jags. Um, he's only actually had four rushing attempts, uh, you know, this year for seventeen yards. But he's had a touchdown. That's yes. all right. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and basically, but, yeah. Uh, for anyone who didn't want, to, who is interested, the Jaguars absolutely beat the hell out of the Houston Texans, thirty-one to yes. three. They just killed them, stone dead. Um, if you're a Jags fan, which I'm slowly becoming, because I, I'm really liking Trevor Lawrence. You only had 40 See, completions. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he had a brilliant game, except from the one pick. Um, I, he didn't yes. really need to do much because he was taken out of the game. Um, and is it CJ Bethard that mm-hmm. came in for him? I think yeah, that's he, how you he pronounce came that. Be- Bethard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, he was all right as well, except from the one pick. You know, they both had, they had a pick each. <laughs> they both played well, apart from that. One and yeah, they didn't have pick. like six quarterbacks in the game. All six of them played yeah, great, well, but they exactly. all had that one pick. That's why. No, oh, Davis Mills was benched as well uh, in that yeah, game, so I think was. that 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 could be that could be the end of him. 
uh, at the Texans. Um, they brought in Jeff Driscoll, but it was only for a few plays. But, I mean, Jay Davis Mills, he, he didn't throw the ball away. So he's got one up on Trevor Lawrence there. But that's about as good as it gets because he had 40 attempts. He only completed 22. Some were just off target and quite disappointing. Texas couldn't run the ball. Lovey Smith cannot cannot play a game without the run game being steady and good. And between the two main uh, running backs, um, they, they had 14 carries for 40 yards, averaging less than three yards per carry. They were just awful. Uh, I feel I feel bad for Brandon Cooks because he's a great wide receiver. He's been doing it every single year in the league. Um, he he was you know being touted for trading, uh, but he's their star player, so they want a lot for him. But um, yeah, I mean, it's only there's only been one year that he didn't rack up a th- uh, no sorry two years that he didn't rack up a thousand receiving yards, um, and this year could be another one. So I feel bad for him. He's still a quality wide receiver. He's still under thirty, but he was—he's just been kind of dragged down by um, a, a poor team. Basically, uh, the Jags are just lethal when they are the favorites. I feel they're eight and eight now. Serious. Uh, they, they, I think they're going to win their division. I think it'll be great to see them. Oh wait, are, yeah. Uh, Titans, Colts, Texans. Yes, yes, they are going to win. I, I, I don't see the Titans catching them. I think Jags are just too good now. So, Pat will be happy. Uh, Trevor Lawrence will be happy. Yeah, well, yeah, I would think both of them will be very happy indeed. Um, yeah, yeah, the Jaguars play the Titans in Week 18 for the division. I, I, I'm looking forward to that one. I, I think it's actually going to be a bit of a. A sc- a, not scrappy, but it's going to, you know, they're both going to grind. Fault. Yes, yeah. yes, grind, yeah. Now, the thing is that I've, I really hope the Jaguars win, not just because, you know, I, I like, I of course, we all like an underdog story. And not not, not hmm. that they're underdogs in, in going into this game. Um, but the, the Titans, God loves them. They're the most boring team in the NFL. Yeah, horrific. They really are. All they do is give it to Derrick Henry, who, who I love, love Derrick Henry. He's fantastic, but they're, they're the most one-dimensional team in the NFL. If Derrick Henry's not going for 200 yards, Titans are hopeless. And I don't understand anyone who says that Vrabel's a good coach. And loads of people do. Am I the only person who watches the Titans and says, if Derrick Henry stopped, they can't do anything. They will lose. They will lose every game if you stop Derrick Henry. Because they're so yeah. one-dimensional. And everyone's like, oh, Vrabel's a great coach. Oh, he's a great coach. He's a big coach of the year. What? What, the what, only, what version only, of this team yeah, are you I'm, seeing? I mean, the, there's only one game that I, I really liked Vrabel, and that's when he basically did a Bill Belichick to Bill Belichick. Oh, that was the multiple you know, penalty. I've seen I didn't, I didn't like that, but then I didn't like it when Belichick did it. I don't like when yes. Vrabel does it, because it's just, it's, it's just a thing to do. Oh, beep that out. That's good. <laughs> that, got, that got beeped. That was beeped. Uh, well, out. Uh, there was there was some there was something else that I did pick up from this game though. What was that? that? The, the Texans had sixty seven plays in total in this game. A lot of plays, and three they got three points to show for it. The Jaguars had sixty plays in this game, and they had thirty one points to show for it. That's yeah. so that's just ridiculous. Mm. And the Texans had more of the ball. Just goes to show you. Just goes to show you. Well, I'm liking this just, Jaguars it, team. Yes, like but it's just a case now. Who is the Texans picking in the draft? Which quarterback? Because they badly need a quarterback. And they might look at free agency. 
So oh. there's going to be there's going to be guys kicking around, and I, I I don't trust the Texans to draft anyone. So no, that is true. So we're going to move on, Dave, and we come to the AFC East matchup between the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins at Gillette Stadium in front of sixty five thousand eight hundred seventy eight fans, with the New England Patriots squeezed by the Dolphins twenty three to twenty one. Both teams are eight and eight. Both teams. Patriots have the what do you call it? What do you call that thing that they have? The tie break, like the head, the head to head, the head to head, right? They've got that. the The Dolphins can still get in; they can still make the playoffs. It's possible. But. They're going to need a lot of help. Yes, but uh, back to this game. Patriots got a twenty three twenty one win. Um, Kyle Duggar with a huge interception return, huge interception return uh, to put New England up. 16-14 when they were trading. They mm-hmm. did trade virtually the entire game before that. And then uh, Mac Jones and Jacoby Myers, the two-yard pass uh, with four minutes, four and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, and from then on, that was it until Mike Kosicki took a pass from Skylar Thompson, who was the quarterback who came in for Teddy Bridgewater. So Dave, we'll put it over to you. The uh, Patriots win. They knock the Dolphins down to 8-8. Eight and eight. I, I don't know what's going on with the Dolphins team. And I know there's the injuries to Tua and that's hurting them. But they just, they're so hot and cold, you know. 3-4 wins, 3-4 losses, 3-4 wins, 3-4 losses. They've, they've really got no consistency at all, do they? No. And um, there's, I, I think this is a ridiculous rumour, but it's a rumour that is still going about, is that... The Dolphins are just putting little feelers out for a head coaching position if they don't make the playoffs. Oh, I don't believe that. Oh, I, no. I, I don't want to believe it. No. I don't want to believe it. No, but that's, that's, it it's, if, if, like, if there's any shred of truth in that, that's ridiculous. That's just... No. No. I mean, what, what, uh, Mike, no. what Mike McDaniel has done with this team... Because this was a t- this team was hopeless. Let's not kid ourselves on here. Uh-huh. They were hopeless last year. Now I know they went on a on a a winning streak, but it was against very poor teams. I don't. I don't even think that it was just last year, though. I, I think it's been last few years. Oh yeah, no, they've been hopeless for years, <laughs> years yeah. and years. They've been rubbish for years, and I'm sure any Dolphins fans who are listening, um, they might not like me saying that, but they'll agree with me. The Dolphins have been hopeless mm-hmm. for years. Mike McDaniel comes in, and all of a sudden they've got a spark. They've got a spark, a real mm-hmm. spark. And it's not just, you know, Tyreek Hill coming in opposite Jalen Waddle, but that has made a difference. And Mike McDaniel's calling these plays and he's utilizing these players. And Tua, you know, I, I was one of his biggest attractors, but my goodness, see when he's not in this team. This is a different team altogether. They are uh, rotten without Tua. I, 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 I'd go as far to say that I think, uh, well, Skylar Thompson, he's, he's just he's barely a backup. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on him, but he's, he's barely a backup. He didn't have the worst game. He didn't have the best game either. The, the, it's injuries. Uh, and I know, and I yeah. know what that feels like this year the injuries have really hurt the Dolphins badly um but like the bit Bill Bell we we thought Bill, Bill Belichick might kind of squeeze out that victory I, I I think the Patriots are in prime position Patriots win 
they're into the playoffs. That that that's I think I'm pretty sure that's my understanding. Um, they, but they're against the Bills, so I'm not confident that they're going they're going to win that game at all. Um, the Dolphins are against the Jets, which gives me a bit of confidence. Um, and the other team that's in contention, I think, is the Steelers. So the Steelers have come from nowhere to be in potential play, uh, you know, playoff contention. So just say, for example, Jets win, Bills win, the Steelers win. That is, I mean, I, we, we were predicting the Steelers go to be horrific this year, but they've got the Browns the, in see, the final the, game. I wasn't, I didn't think they'd be horrific this year because I had faith in Mitch. Now, you oh, might, you might call Lord. that misplaced faith, but I did have faith yes. in the Steelers. I didn't think they were going to be rubbish. I, I, had the, I think I had the Ravens winning the division, but I didn't think uh-huh. the Steelers would be awful. Um, I, I thought they were going to do much better than that. So, as it stands at the moment, the Patriots are in the playoffs. They've got a wild card. Yes. Uh, and you're right, if the Dolphins win, they're in. Well, they'll beat the if Jets. They're, they're, yeah. And yeah. the Steelers need to lose... Uh, and the Jags need to win over the tight. Is that right? No, 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 no. No, sorry. Steelers no. need to lose, uh, and yes. uh, Dolphins need to win. Yes, that's it. And then the Dolphins are in. Yes. So, but the Steelers have just snuck up out of nowhere. They have and gone on. They've gone on a little kind of streak. I mean, they've won four of uh, five of their last six. Mm-hmm. And they've all been by one-score games. The classic Mike Tomlin kind of one-score grind-out victories. I mean, they, the only, and the only game that they lost was to the Ravens by two points. Yeah. And that, that was about a month ago. So um, they returned the favour uh, this week. But, wow, it, this is the Dolphins, I think, are in trouble. I, I think it would be the, a horrific decision for the, the Dolphins' backroom or our upper owners, whatever you want to call them, to make any changes in that backroom. Oh, no, uh, it's, you know, it's, in the not, it's not happening. They're, they're not fighting with Daniel. The only, the only way that they would do that is if there's something seriously wrong, seriously wrong, uh, you know, behind closed doors. They, yeah, they're not gonna do I, I, I don't think so. No, 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 they won't do that. So we're going to move on, Dave, when we come to the, back to the NFC, where Jake's New Orleans Saints were taking on the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field in front of 69,796 fans. And all they did was come away with a 20-10 win. My goodness. Couple of field goals from Will Lutz. Uh, Marshawn Latimore, 12-yard interception return. Uh, it was just, you know, the, the, the Eagles just didn't look great at all. And once again, with Jalen Hurts not there, this not really. What do you think it is? Do you think it's because Jalen Hurts' mobility affects the team so much? Because he's so good at rushing? Because by all accounts, Gardner Minshew didn't play badly. He just didn't play particularly well. But he had one rush attempt for zero yards. Now, if Jalen Hurts had been in there, he'd have had two rushing touchdowns. Do you think this is the difference? I think this is the difference. I think Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback. I think he's a comp- absolutely fine, serviceable quarterback. In fact, I wanted the Broncos to sign him. 
when they signed Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. I was hoping yep. they would sign Minshew, but they didn't. Uh, but I think Jalen Hurts is just so dynamic that they're really, without him being there, they're they're seriously lacking, seriously yes. lacking. Um, and the Saints come away with a twenty to ten victory over the Eagles and knocks them down to thirteen and three. And all of a sudden, two losses in a row, they no longer look invincible. Um, Dave, put it to you. What did you make of it? I think the Saints defense um, did a really good job. They seem to be a lot more spread out on that defensive line, meaning that Garner Minshew had to stay in the pocket and he wasn't able to extend any plays, really. So, I mean, they racked up six sacks. Uh, on the other side, the Eagles managed to rack up seven sacks. So, you know, Andy Dalton took a bit of a battering as well in that game, but Andy Dalton, when he was throwing it, he was accurate. Receivers were taking the catches and he was throwing it about the place as well. Um, Shahid, um, Joanne Johnson, Chris Olave, they were all the ones that were really um, kind of getting the, the receptions. Andy Dalton was 18 or 22 in the game, though. And one thing I did note was that Garner Minshew, it wasn't, it wasn't even like he didn't have the opportunity to get out of the pocket all the time. But he just didn't want to. And if, if he moved at all, it was almost like he seemed scared. I think he's a bit, just a bit rusty still. I, I genuinely think he, if he got a run again, he might do well. But he'd have to go to a team like the Texans to even for that to even be considered a thing. Because Jalen Hurts, yeah, Jalen Hurts is so well. You know, obviously what he's done this year has been brilliant. I, I just think Gardner Minshew needs a better offensive line. You know, I, I'm I'm really happy for the Saints because they managed to get some serious, you know, stoppages and work uh, done on the Eagles because um, Sanders got 12 carries for 61 yards, so that was pretty decent. Apart from that, Minshew, he got a few big completions, but, you know, uh, like I said about Marshall, one of the best corners in the league. There's no doubt oh, yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, th- th- yeah there's, no, there's no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, he was also the Saints tackle leader uh, joint uh, with... Paulson Adebo, who is uh, one of the other cornerbacks. Um, so you can tell where the ball was going with the Eagles uh, most often. Uh, they both got six tackles each. But what I said, I think I said it maybe about a month, maybe five, six weeks ago, one of the most underrated players in the league, uh, I think still, is Cam Jordan. Because I know he, he's you know obviously widely regarded. I think he's still one of the best ends in the league. I think he's, he's top five minimum. And he got three sacks in this game. So he was racking up the numbers. He was pressuring Gardner Minshew constantly. And because then they had to concentrate on him, that let others through as well. So you had players like, uh, I think it's Ellis, Caden Ellis, uh, and uh, Carl Granderson as well. One and a half sacks each. You know, they were getting the job done as well. So Saints defense really came through on this one. And the Saints offense, Andy Dalton in particular, 205 yards. He did get the one pick. But he, apart from that, he had. You know, 18 or 22 for the rest of the game. So, well done to him. They managed to utilize Alvin Kamara and Taysom well. I think the game plan executes to perfection because um, that first half, they shut out the Eagles 13 to 0. So, uh, a bit of a comeback. Uh, they were 13 10 at the end of the fourth quarter, but Saints sealed the deal. 
Yes, and that brings us on to our next game, which is an AFC North battle between the Baltimore Ravens and the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers mm. over at M&T Bank Stadium in front of 71,042 fans, where the Steelers squeeze out another win. As you said, all these one-score wins, 16-13 to 13 over the Ravens. And my goodness, Tyler Huntley just does not look good at all. He just nope. doesn't. And, I mean, we're talking about the Eagles missing uh, Jalen Hurts. No team misses a player more than the Ravens are missing Lamar Jackson. And only, I think, only if, you know, Patrick Mahomes went down in Kansas City would any team miss a player so much. The difference in this Ravens team without Lamar is just absolutely shocking. And the 13 points, it was just absolutely terrible against a defense uh-huh. that's been... This Steelers defense, it's played okay. It's it's played pretty well. But they looked like the, you know, the 2000 Ravens defense in this scheme yeah. compared to this Ravens offense. It was absolutely appalling. They could get nothing done. Dave, what do you think? You've got, you kind of got the three levels in defense. Uh, you know, you've got the defensive line, then you've got linebackers, then you've got the defensive backs. So the Steelers had one player on each of these that turned up for me. So... TJ Watt, we know how great TJ Watt is, one of the best uh, defensive linemen ever to do it. And also, on the back of this game, he said he's retiring at the end of the season. That'll be a loss to the league. But he also he said he said it after getting a sack in this game as well. So good Did for he? him. I think he is. Yeah, it was it JJ Watt? That's Which JJ Watt? That's oh, JJ Watt. I was like, TJ Watt's only been in the league a handful of years. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> Tomato, tomato, tomato. Yeah, they're both, no, they're, they're no, both, one they're of both, them. One of them is a future Hall of Famer, right? They're both elite. Uh, true, but one of them's been in the league for twelve years, and the other one's yeah. been in for like four. So uh, yeah, JJ Watt has uh, announced that he will be retiring yes. at the end of the season. For, yes, not TJ. Yeah. You just nearly killed all Steelers fans. They all had heart attacks at that point. Um, so apologies if anyone's oh. if anyone's got a heart attack on the floor <laughs> any Steelers yeah. fans. So, sorry to all two of you. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, but, but okay, so TJ Watt, he had a sack, he had three tackles as well, right? That was good. Linebacker, Robert Spillane, eight tackles and one assist. He was immense. He was making reads. Uh, he, he just knew what was coming. That's what it seemed like to me. And then, obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick. The man is a great safety. I think he's one of the best in the league. He's right up there with Simmons to me. That, that, that's how highly I rate Fitzpatrick. Yeah, great player. Uh, four, yeah, four tackles, five assists, and he had the pick as well. One person that seems to need 14 games before he gets going in a season, Najee Harris, racked up 100 <laughs> yards in the game. 111 yards in the game. 22 carries. Uh, he also had two receptions for 12 yards and the touchdown. That it was Kenny Pickett's only touchdown. I tell you what, we're talking about uh, Huntley not looking good. It was Kenny Pickett didn't look a lot better in fairness. Fifteen carries for twenty-seven, uh, uh, twice, no, fifteen completions. I knew I got that wrong somewhere, but yeah, fifteen completions, twenty-seven attempts, hundred and sixty-eight yards, and the touchdown. Um, yeah, I think Pickett would benefit from getting out of the pocket a bit more. He doesn't seem to be doing that very often, so. I think he's trying to. He's not playing to the strengths. I'm quite disappointed by that. He was throwing it around all all over the show. A good few completions. I think he had uh, multiple 
interceptions by six different receivers. Steelers just grind out the victory, to be honest. It was a, it was a poor game. I, I really did enjoy watching this. So, um, But, you know, the Steelers, are they continue this late run that is just re- reminiscent of years gone by, and they're doing it again. So they're in with a massive shout. And because it it's the Patriots and the Dolphins, I'm kind of rooting for the Steelers to, fin- to, to finish this, the season and get into the playoffs. I think that would be a brilliant to see Kenny Pickett take it, get injured, then Mitch Trubisky come in and get injured. <laughs> and then we have no idea who the third string is. So, oh my yeah, it, it's, if the Steelers get in, it's going to be eventful. It's going to be a great. You're going to see the art of grinding uh, in football. But, um, yeah, can, uh, Steelers getting it done. Ravens look... Ravens just look a shadow of the, t- the their team. The only the only kind of bright spark was J.K. Dobbins. It had seventeen carries, ninety three yards, good few pickups as well. But the defense was probably knackered because they they had some big hits coming in. Steelers had nearly thirty five minutes of the ball. So yeah, Steelers march on. They certainly do, and we're going to march on now. We've got the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Jets at Lumen Field in front of 68,827 fans who watched the Seahawks just take care of business like the Jets Mm. weren't even there. Jets could get nothing done in this game, and Seahawks come away with a 23-6 victory. And, Dave, it was just the Jets. Ah, Mike White. I I like Mike White. I Uh want him to do well. Uh (laughs) I thought he would actually do well in this game against the Seahawks team that's been struggling in recent weeks, but it just did not come to pass. And uh, Geno Smith leads his team to a 23-6 win, puts the Seahawks up to 8-8, the Jets down to 7-9. Dave, what did you think of this one? For so much hype uh, that the, the Jets caused in the middle of the season... This is like the worst possible ending for them. I, I, I um, they've got serious issues at quarterback now. I, Mike White, I, I think he kind of reminds me of Taylor Heineke in that the the starting quarterback was so bad that the fans just want the backup because he, he just giving them a little bit of life and something to hold on to, like Heineke has done at the Commanders. But um, yeah, Mike White, he's a, he's a decent backup to have, but he's not a franchise back. Zach Wilson is just. I don't know. He's just he, they've got to take the they've got to cut their losses on him. I think. Um, there's uh, Robert Salas come out and said that they want to do some work with him and just, you know uh, make some improvements f- uh, for him uh, with him. I- I'm struggling to see if that's going to happen. I I think Zach White Zach White. I'm I'm mixing him up now. I think Zach Wilson. He pro- did this before. I've Zach done this White. more than once. Oh, yeah, I don't know. There might have been me who said Zach White last time. Mike White. Yeah, yeah we're as bad as each other. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Jets, the Jets just could get nothing. They showed nothing in that second half. Uh, it was really poor. They couldn't run the ball. Um, they were four thirteen on third down. Uh, Mike White got sacked four times. They couldn't really keep the ball. There was a good few th- three and outs. I, I mean, the what the the main bright spark in the game, even though that there was two uh, Geno threw for two touchdowns, was Kenneth Walker the third, who was one of my picks for offensive. Rookie of the year, uh, picked up 133 yards from 23 carries. So, um, yeah, I think he was brilliant in the game. So I'm really happy for him. I just don't like the Seahawks. So uh, I I did note their um, 
So one player that I really did think was a bit of a standout and a leader in the team was Daryl Taylor. Now, I can't work out if he's a defensive end or an outside linebacker because he was basically playing both. Uh, but he racked up two and a half sacks. He seemed to be everywhere. He was pressuring the quarterback, pre- pressuring Mike White, which didn't seem to take a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Seahawks just turned up. Didn't really need to get out of second gear. Jets were poor. I feel bad for the Jets fans. They've got something else to moan about now. But um, yeah, they, I mean, the the only the only kind of bright spark bright spark for the Jets is that they managed to hold the Seahawks to twenty three points because I think CJ Mosley had a pretty good game. He was making good tackles, uh, and also Quincy Williams, uh, the other one of the other linebackers. Between them, they had thirteen tackles and six assists. So it's not over in terms of the future for the Jets. I think they got a lot to build on. But I think they need a quarterback, and I think they need an experienced quarterback uh, there in New York. So I, th- I think we could see two changes of quarterback in New York. You might be right there, Dave. The changes of quarterback, they need to figure that out, that position. Yeah. It's, it's been terrible. Um, they just, they've had some of the worst luck with quarterbacks, drafting and trading. So then yeah, we come to the next game, and it was the Las Vegas Raiders and the San Francisco 49ers, and it was this week's Western Isles Game of the Week. It's the Western Isles Game of the Week. So for our Game of the Week, I've got to hand it over to Jake McGee. Well, I've got a real slugfest. It was the, the formal, former Battle of the Bay, obviously no longer with... Well, no longer the Oakland Raiders, but the, the Las Vegas Raiders moving. Um, but it, this was a real back and forth. I mean, Jared Stidham in his first career start goes for 365 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. They were pretty unfortunate interceptions, uh, especially the last one. But, I mean, what a game. I, I, you know, you'd kind of think that the Raiders are out of contention. But they can certainly take a lot of positives going into what I assume is going to be a very interesting offseason. Um, but you know, to see throw in your young quarterback may be a bit controversial with how they're treating Derek Carr. But I mean, he's answering any questions about his game already. I mean, he certainly is, and I think I saw a thing that he's thrown for the most. This is the most yards in his first start uh, for for any Raiders quarterback. So I mean, good good for Stidham. I I don't like. None of us really like the way that Derek Carr appears to have been treated by the organisation. But then I was talking to one of our regular listeners, uh, Christian. He was uh, He's a big Raiders fan and he has been just down on Carr for, for, since I've known him. He's hated Derek Carr. I have no idea why, but apparently he's not the only one. A lot of Raiders fans have not been that high on Derek Carr. So he seemed delighted when Stidham took over I didn't get it at all um, but Stidham my goodness what a game he had but it just wasn't enough against Mr. Irrelevant was it oh ne- never but I mean all the Raiders offensive weapons stepped up I mean Josh Jacobs is over 2,000 scrimmage yards now he's the NFL lead in Russia by a comfortable 160 yards yeah um, I mean Devontae Adams you know he's very good friends and you know back at college with, with Derek Carr and came out and said how he, he doesn't agree with how he's been treated and, and you know, deserves a lot more respect. But seven catches, 153 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, m- big toe drag um, oh. grab in the second quarter. The, and then That touchdown was uh, insane. And that wasn't even his best catch. I mean, the sensational catch in the fourth quarter to keep the, the drive alive. I mean, he is just showing exactly who Devontae Adams is. He is 
sensational. I mean, Darren Waller as well, three catches, 72 yards and a touchdown. It certainly helps, you know, as a young quarterback when your your weapons do exactly what you expect them to do. I mean, that, that, that's no surprise really on paper, but it doesn't always seem the case. And maybe that is something to do with the quarterback. Maybe it's something to do with the playbook and, and Josh McDaniels. But uh, you can't certainly complain uh, from a Raiders, uh, a Raiders standpoint offensively. Um, I mean, this game itself, it was a, a back and forth with, with drama throughout. I mean, Robbie Gold missing a, a 41-yard walk-off field goal yeah. wide right. You're thinking, whoa, uh, <laughs> you might not uh, live to tell the tale, but I mean, who else but Nick Bosa to the rescue in overtime? He bullies the left tackle back into Sidham causing a wobbly pass to land in uh, to Sean Gibson's arms. He runs it basically all the way back into the red zone and uh, gives Robbie Gold a, a chip shot redemption to, to seal the game. I mean, just sensational. It was a great game. 37-34 to 49ers in overtime there. Now, you mentioned Devontae Adams. And the thing with Devontae Adams is that I think he's sort of proved any of his... I don't want to say doubters. Everyone knew he was a great wide receiver. But a lot of people saying, you know, is he the best receiver in the league? It's, you know, because Cooper Cup had such an amazing year last year. And there's others that whose name you could throw in. But Devontae Adams has proved it does not matter who is throwing him the ball. He's going to get open. He's going to get yards. He's going to get touchdowns. Um, I really think you, you've got to sort of hang your hat on Devontae Adams as being the best wide receiver in the NFL just now. I know a lot of people say Justin Jefferson. I get that. Um, but, you know, Justin Jefferson does have that sort of two years with the same quarterback um, with Kurt Cousins. It, I, I, I'm taking nothing away from Jefferson. But Devontae Adams has shown that he can do it regardless of who the quarterback is. What's what's your viewpoint on that? I mean, we all know he's a great receiver, but would you put him down as the best? Or maybe maybe... Second or third? What do you reckon? Where do you rank Devontae Adams? I think my viewpoint would be ask the Packers secondary who saw Devontae Adams week in, week out and mm. uh, know how good he is. And then they have shut Justin Jefferson down, not for the first time. I mean, in the the only time he had previously not um, had a, a catch in the first half was in his first game against the Packers. I mean, the Packers secondary, and they certainly seem to find a way to shut down Justin Jefferson, and I don't really think many people know how to shut down Devontae Adams. And like you say, he's had, you know, Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers throw passes to him. He's had, you know, Pro Bowler Derek Carr throw passes to him. Now he's had, not rookie because he's, he's in his fourth year, but first start Jared Siddham throwing him passes, and he and he's he, he shows up throughout. So yeah. it's really hard because, like you say, Cooper Cup injured for a lot of this year mm. is just consistent. Uh, but Devontae Adams certainly is that player that always goes top five in fantasies and, and for good reason. Yeah, I mean, when when the, the, the Raiders played against the Broncos and he was up against Patrick Sartan, um, he, I think he only had three catches in the game. Uh, Sartan played him incredibly well, but he went for over 100 yards on a touchdown. And you're just thinking, you need, if you can't stop Devontae Adams on every single play, he will kill you. And uh, it just goes to show, you know, he was one of those players when the Raiders traded for Devontae Adams. I thought, what, you know, that's that's an incredible trade. They've got a really, really good player. I don't think I anticipated just how good he was going to be. I I did predict him to be the leading receiver this year in my my preseason predictions. Um, But that's because I thought Derek Carr was going to be throwing, you know, a thousand passes to him every single game. Um, Not in a million years would I have guessed 
that uh, with J- Jared Stidham coming in, that Devontae Adams would have a game like this, and he was just uh, unbelievable. But we do we do have to talk about the 49ers, Jake. Um, we'll mm-hmm. get back to them. You mentioned uh, Bosa on the offensive side of the ball. McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle, Purdy, they all got it done. They they all got involved. And that week by week, the, the trade by John Lynch and Carl Shanahan just looks better and better. I mean, Christian McCaffrey has looked exactly as advertised when he's healthy. I mean, he has been fantastic. And that 19 rushes, 121 yards and a touchdown, and then six catches for 72 uh, receiving as well. I mean, he has been a problem for anyone. And then, like I say, Ayuk stepping up in Debo's absence. He had mm-hmm. nine catches, just over 100 yards and a touchdown. And Kittle's stats don't look amazing, but uh, 4-23 had a huge touchdown grab yeah. in the back of the end zone, uh, which is something you'd expect from a wide receiver getting those toes down. And a lot of his catches came on on vital, you know, on a third down or, or stretching it out. I mean, his long was an eight yard, but he was just there. I mean, he was targeted a few times as well. Um, sadly, one of the, the Brock Purdy's uh, inceptions was on a, a questionable, you know, across the field pass to him. But yeah, uh, when you've got Christy McCaffrey in this form and and, and healthy like this, you are going to be a problem for for any team, especially going into the playoffs. And there we have it. That was our game of the week. Thank you very much to Jake McGee for that one. Anytime. So there you go, Dave. That was the game of the week. I mean, what was your thoughts on this one? What a great game. But I mean, Stidham versus Party. I don't think anyone thought this was going to be as much fun. No, and it it, it was, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm out of words for this because this is, no, I thought it was just, it was either going to be a 49ers blowout or a really low scoring kind of 14 14-10 victory maybe for the 49ers um, but the man himself Jared Stridham coming in uh, with, with all the talk about uh, Carr's pro- probably uh, played his last game for the Raiders he comes in 23-34 365 yards deep deep passing bombs across the field three touchdowns he did have two picks uh, which you, you can kind of give him a little bit of lead on but he, you know he's he was finding Devontae Adams time and time again. Seven receptions, 153 yards, and two touchdowns for Devontae Adams. And don't forget uh, Darren Waller. When he couldn't find Adams, he was targeting his tight end. Three receptions, 72 yards, and the third touchdown as well. Josh Jacobs couldn't get much done. The 49ers shut down the run game really well. I think they, they managed to um, really target Jacobs as much as possible 17 carries for 69 yards just over 4 yards on, av- uh, on average the touchdown yeah it was pretty decent but the Raiders I mean they've got talent the talent is there they're up against one of the best if not the best defense in the entire league in the 49ers and they put up 34 points and they lose again at the end of the game in overtime this time so Brock Purdy it wasn't great. Um, 22 35, 284 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that, seemed that to be as great uh, as he needed to be. Well, it was okay. I mean, he was tar- he, he, he kept going to Brandon Ayuk quite a lot. Um, I did notice so that's, he never stepped 101 not a yards. Bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it, he was <laughs> you say, it, it, you it, say it, that it, as if he shouldn't do it. It's like I kept going to Ayuk. Yes, that's what he's supposed to do. It's, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm you're right supposed on, to I'm, hide it. I'm all about a, the Purdy pipe train. Look, I, uh, I no. am. You, you, can't, uh, no. you can't tell me any different. 
I'm all aboard. You, you could no, you could. I mean, you could put uh, Zach Wilson in there, and he would do a good job. I oh, think the, the point Irish would still. Be. <laughs> yeah, do you know you might, you might be right, but the reality is Zach Wilson was a second overall pick. He was indeed, there you go. and Mister Relevant. Yeah. yeah. So, but <laughs> the well, the other thing in the game: nine hundred and fifty-four total yards between the two teams. That was a good game. Amazing offense. It was a great I, game. Uh, it, it was a really good game. It just didn't go the way I wanted it to. But uh, the other thing I did note, though, and I was really surprised by this, no sacks in the game. Yeah. Zero. Zero sacks in the game. Three picks thrown between between the, the two kind of young quarterbacks. Well, I say young. I don't remember uh, the but, last but, time I saw a game that had no sacks in it. I mean, especially, uh, I, I think a lot, a big shout out to the 49ers. Uh, left tackle uh, is left or right tackle back by uh, He, I think he managed to really uh, contain Crosby. Or, or, or was it Crosby that was playing? I think it was, um, because he he's one of the sack leaders in the league, Good if be. I remember rightly. And he just walked Mason Crosby, and was he wasn't able to get to uh, Brock Purdy at all. So, yeah, uh, they they managed to shut down the Raiders defense. Raiders managed to hold off uh, the 49ers defense. Um, for Stridham, but I think they could have done with Derek Carr in there. I think they might. They, <gasps> blasphemy. Blasphemy coming from Dave. Right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we move on to an NFC North matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field in front of 78,190 fans. And just when everyone thought the Packers were dead in the water, they come out and absolutely knocked the Vikings' horns clean off their helmets with a 41-17 victory. And Aaron Rodgers looked really good again. <laughs> it's like, and stat-wise, you look at the stats, he only had 159 yards passing. So you think, well, he didn't really do that much. But he looked really good. And it's the first time we've seen Aaron Rodgers sort of moving around the way he's been moving in in quite some time. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, this Packers team just... I don't, I don't know what happened to the Vikings. They had no chance between special teams. Uh, there was a, an interception return. It was a kickoff return. It was just... Everything seemed to be going the Packers' way, and Aaron Rodgers appeared to be having fun out there. He didn't do much because he didn't have to do much. But as I said, what he did do, he looked good doing, and he did actually get a two-yard touchdown run as well. So, Dave, what did you make of this one? This was actually a fun game, unless, of course, you're a Vikings fan. Well, yeah, I mean, the Vi- the, the Vikings were held to a field goal um, on the first drive, basically. Uh, Greg Joseph managed to get. Uh, the Vikings 3-0 up and I thought okay this is, this might be a bit of a kind of slog of a game and then the resulting return out comes Nixon and boom touchdown okay I was like right this is more like I'm going to enjoy this now Vikings can't get the ball down the field when they get the ball back and then uh, basically Savage gets, gets the, the pick it's 14-3 in, in space of just five minutes it, it's gone from could be a bit of a slog to the Vi- to the Vikings just decombobulating, discombobulating, decombobulating. That's a new word. Discombobulating, uh, and then they they just they blew I, them away. I, I like the word decombobulating. Do you? Yes, like you know, if I you're combobulated, obviously, if you're discombobulated, you can be combobulated. But if you can be decombobulated, that means you you were combobulated, and now you've been. Uncombobulated. Deco- oh my god, I'm making them up myself now. Decombobulated. This, this podcast is decombobulating right now. <laughs> right in front of our ears. 
Oh, we're decombobulating. Yeah. See, sometimes you just yeah. got to make up a word. I like it, Dave. It's good. Oh, uh, no. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start with that. But, I, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll focus on the game. Yeah, Vikings. Yes, they did. And they just kept going because the rest of that first half, they weren't able to really get the job done. And then uh, Joseph missed two field goals in the first half as well, which didn't help them whatsoever, just derailed any momentum they had whatsoever. Um, you also had uh, AJ Dillon getting it, um, and Aaron Rodgers run, getting in for the touchdown as well. So, um, that was that pretty much sealed the victory. They tried a little comeback late on to the Vikings, but I mean, <laughs> they, but by the point that they actually got a touchdown, it was they were 41 points three down with about seven minutes to go in the game. So, I know the Vikings have had some good comebacks very recently. That was just that that was never going to happen. They knew that. We knew that. But yeah, the Packers, I hate to say it. I thought they were out of it. I was wrong. It takes a lot for me to say that, but I was wrong. Packers, I think, are going to get into the playoffs this year. We then moved to a battle on Los Angeles, where the Los Angeles Chargers and the Los Angeles Rams battled out at SoFi Stadium in front of 70,240 people and apologies in advance, Dave, but the Rams had the combobulations knocked out of them by the Los Angeles Chargers. 31 to 10. Wow. It was a bit of a, yeah. bit of a spanking, but I'm not going to rub it in, Dave, so I'll let you talk about this game. What did you make of it? I mean, we were lucky to be only 17-10 down at halftime. Uh, it, it was pretty poor. It, it was more uh, poor in the way that um, there was a couple drop passes. Cam Akers had a good game. Cam Akers was doing really well. He had 19 I'm really proud of him that he's actually been able to come back uh, after a pretty torrid year, and he's finishing off on a high. Um, Baker wasn't really giving the ball that much. To be honest, uh, yeah, the 11, 11 completions from 19 yards, 132 yards, um, 77 yards of them went to Von Jefferson, who's doing well at wide receiver one, even though he's, he's pretty much barely got, he's got very little business being there. The Rams defense were just, just completely knackered come, come that kind of third, fourth quarter in the second half. They were completely knackered. Um, Rams were shot out. In the second half, it was poor. We're not ending the season on a high. I didn't really expect to. The front offensive line, pretty poor again. I mean, they, they Baker got sacked three times. At least one of them was a bit of a heavy one, but, you know, it happens. Um, the Chargers on third down, though, were 8 of 13, and they did. there wasn't one sack for the Rams in that game. It was horrible to watch. The only time the Chargers actually punted the ball was when they weren't able to get the get the job done themselves. It wasn't really the Rams' defense that stepped up. So, yeah, disappointing game. And another game that I just I'd rather forget about really quickly. The the one good thing that I did note, um, Kobe Durant, who I did note a couple of weeks ago that he was, he played really well. He came into the game he was doing really well as well. And I I think Kendrick was who I've been calling for to get to be pretty much got rid of but just didn't appear in the game I, I don't think i saw him once so i was quite happy with that but it's depressing being a rams or a ram or a bronco isn't it unfortunately it is yes so <laughs> at, at least uh, hey, at least uh, like you know a couple of the guys we know uh, oh hang on saints fan dolphins fan 
Bears fan. Yeah, no, it's actually rubbish. Only only our good friend Dennis, who's a, a 49ers fan, is doing anything. He's the only one smiling, apparently, in the oh, entire... Tim, yeah, and it, Tim, yeah. And Tim, yeah, yeah, I forgot about Tim. Oh, sorry, don't forget, Tim. Don't forget Tim. If you're listening, Tim, he'd better be listening. He'd better be. He'd if better. you're listening, Tim, apologies. Um, so there we are, and, and now the final... Well, that essentially wraps up our uh, review, because the final game which was the Buffalo Bills uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, as everyone will already know by now, um, was called off um, with 6.13 to go in the first quarter after Joe Burrow completed a pass to T. Higgins, who was tackled by DeMar Hamlin, uh, and DeMar Hamlin uh, suffered a cardiac arrest on the pitch. He was then taken, he was uh, resuscitated on the pitch, then taken to hospital. Um, now, the last thing that I heard, now I haven't checked in, in, in the last couple of hours last thing i'd heard is that hamlin is awake in hospital um, and seems to have movement in his extremities so that was the last thing i saw um all the best to him and his family in this tough time mm-hmm. um the effect this has on the season last i heard the nfl has ruled this as a no contest mm-hmm so this game basically does not exist. They're not going to replay it as far as I'm aware. So, um, Dave, do you have any further information on what is actually going to happen? Um, the Bills and the Bengals will essentially end up playing one fewer game than mm-hmm. anyone else in the league. What does this mean for the playoff picture? Because both of them, of course, are, are right in the postseason hunt. Yeah, so just a very, very briefly, a quick update uh, on the man himself because uh, he was actually on FaceTime this morning with the Bills team and I think the spirits in that Bills locker room were j- just went from kind of quite quite down low and then they were just elated to see him, that he's able to breathe without uh, any tubes or ventilation now. He's awake, he's uh, quite responsive as well. Um, so that's huge and we're really really happy to see that because that uh, i was kind of on the edge of my seat thinking oh no this can't happen no no please no kind of thing um so i'm really really happy to see him i think with the the one kind of um bright thing that i did here was that one of the first things that he he wasn't able to speak at the time but he wrote on a piece of paper the first thing he said who won the game (laughs) and the doctors replied you did you won the game of life so that that was a really kind of bright thing uh, that kind of lit up the whole situation. Oh yeah, but um, I bet you he was sitting there going, "Yeah, but who won the actual game? Right? Did we win? Oh, uh, did absolutely. We win? I think there are a few giggles and a few, <laughs> you know, uh, laugh, more relieving laughters from his uh, family as when he was asking that question. Um, repercussions of the standings, though. Uh, so what's going to happen is that the Bills and the Bengals are going to be their, their records and. Uh, postseason positions are going to be judged on their winning percentage for this for their 16 game season rather than the 17 that's all the other uh, games uh, teams have played now postseason wise what's going to happen is that if the AFC championship game uh, is going to I think it's going to be if the Bills or the Bengals get there it's going to be at a neutral venue which I, I think is actually um, quite a good idea. I quite I really like this idea. I, I think to for uh, the the NFL 
did right in this scenario. So is this, if either of them get that, it'll be neutral regardless of who I they th- play against? Or I think it may be if they have a home game. If the Bills or the Bengals are home in that championship game. I think that's what it is. Because there's a, a lot of different scenarios. Um, I, I, I think a few of the sort of reporters, um, Rappaport, uh, the lot of them, have all released a, a couple documents to say what in each scenario what right. will happen. Okay. So th- there's a few different ones, but that it's chiefly that the AFC Championship game will be played at a neutral site if the home team for that contest ordinarily would have been settled in part by the result of a, of the now cancelled game. Yeah, it's basically if the if one of, if the Bills or the Bengals are at home for the AFC Championship game, it'll be played at a neutral venue. Well, there we go. There we are. Well, it's good that uh, Demar Hamlin's better. That's what we like to mm-hmm. hear. Um, it's it's never... No one likes to see these things happening on the pitch. Unfortunately, I don't want to say it's part of the game because, of course, it's not. This is no. an extreme yeah. event. Um, it's certainly... It's got nothing... I, I don't think it's got anything to do with the game. I don't think it's because he was on the pitch this happened. But uh, I'm not going to speculate on any of these things. I do not know. Uh, but we just wish him and his family all the best. Um, so it's good to see that he's recovering. So there you go, Dave. That wraps up our week 17 review. 17. So, 17 weeks. So we've got one week left. So mm-hmm. what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to be coming back. We're going to have a week 18 rapid fire preview. And then, of course, we're going to have random stats. And I've got a special question for you, Dave, as well. And we'll catch Ooh. you just after this. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, here with Dave Somerville. And we've got our week 18 rapid fire preview. Dave, it's the last one. It's a very, very last rapid fire preview. So, I'm sad. I'm almost sad. I'm sad as well. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. We kick off the Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. And Dave, wouldn't you know, I've got the Chiefs winning this one. I think, I don't think Jared Stedham can do it two weeks in a row. And I think the Chiefs won away with a 42 to 17 victory. Ooh, I, I think you've got a bit too much uh, faith in the Chiefs because I think that sometimes they, they're just going to slow down. I, I think they're going to win, but I think it's going to be really close. But I'm going to go for our 24 21. We then have the Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars for the fight for the AFC South. And I've got the Jaguars winning it in Duval. And I've got them winning this one in a close game, 24-21. I I think the Jaguars are going to win, but I don't think it's going to be as close as you think it's going to be. I think the Titans are going to get blown out. I think it's going to be 28 points to 10 and the Jaguars win the division. We then have the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints, and I've got the Saints winning at home against the Panthers. I've got this one in a lower scoring affair of 16 to 10. Yeah, I think we're thinking along the same lines. Uh, I, I think this game's going to go to overtime. I'm going to predict overtime in this one. I think it's going to be 20 points apiece with the Saints and Will Lutz scoring in overtime to make it 23 20. Then got the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm taking the Steelers at home over the Browns in another low scoring one. I've got this one going into overtime with the Steelers coming away with a 20 to 17 win. Very close in the scores. I, I think the Steelers are going to win. I think it's going to be 19 13, though. So, and the Steelers to get a 9 and 8 record. Yes, keep Tomlin's um, unlosing record streak alive. 
Unlosing. I don't know. He's never had a losing record. So yes. I, I don't know what you would call that. So we have the Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. I've got the Texans sneaking a win here. I think the Colts have just completely imploded. And I've got the Texans coming away with another scrappy win, 23-21. I think the Texans are going to win as well. I think it's it's going to be just garbage against garbage, but I think it's going to be defensive garbage against garbage. So I'm going for 27 points to 24 win for the Texans, a comeback win for the Texans. Now, the Minnesota Vikings are travelling to Soldier Field to take on the Chicago Bears, but Justin Fields is apparently listed as inactive for this game, so he will not be playing, and I give them no hope against the Vikings. I've got the Vikings taking this one quite handily, 35-6. to Yeah, thinking along the same lines, uh, I think that um, the Vikings are going to basically blow out the Bears. Uh, I think... You know, six points has almost been generous, but I'm going to give them nine. I think they'll get a, uh, the with the ball running down the field. I think they'll get um, nine points instead, but I think the Vikings will get 45 points, so 45 nine. We then have the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. I've got to take the Bills at home, although the Patriots, I think, are going to run them close, and I've got this one down as a 19 to 17 win to the Bills. Well. The Bills are on a three-game win streak against the Patriots, uh, the, like this year and last year, uh, and they've racked they've racked up basically two or three score separations uh, separations um, you know gaps in each game. So I think the Bills are just going to get it done and get it done comprehensively. So I'm going for a 31 points to 17 win for the Bills. Big one there. We then have the New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins, and as we said already, the Miami Dolphins. If the Steelers win and the Dolphins win, Steelers are in. Oh no, hang on, did I get that wrong? Uh, did I get that wrong? I think. Uh, I think hang the on, Patriots. Hang l- on. No. If the Browns win and the Dolphins win, the Steelers. Yeah, they need the Steelers to lose. Damn. Okay. So then we on to the next game with the New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. Now, I've already picked the Steelers to win, but I'm picking the Dolphins to win as well. They may not make the playoffs, but they're going to make an example of the New York Jets. And I've got them doing it in style in this game with a 29-10 victory. I mean, both teams are on massive losing streaks at the moment. So um, Dolphins lost their last five. Jets lost their last five. I think the Dolphins are just are going to round off the, the year with a victory here, and I don't think it's going to be remotely kind for the Jets. So I'm going to go for a 31 points to nine victory for the Dolphins. We then have the Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think the Cincinnati Bengals will come absolutely flying out of the gates, particularly against the Lamar Jacksonless uh, Ravens. And I've got the Bengals winning this one comfortably. In fact, I've got this as my biggest win of the uh, day because I've got the Bengals winning this one by a score of forty-two to seven. Well, I've got maybe not quite as comprehensive, but uh, thirty-four. 13 and football, well, I've written down the Ravens are just not good enough without Lamar. We then have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons, and as much as I would love to pick the Falcons, I just can't do it because they're rubbish. So I'm taking the Buccaneers in the final afternoon game um, to win this one. I've got them winning fairly easily. I don't think the Falcons will get anything done, and I've got them winning by a score of 24 to 13. 
Very interestingly, the bookies have the Falcons of this, as the favourites for this that's game. That's because they're I- mental. <laughs> the, fo- the Falcons well, have been ru- they're, they're rubbish. They you have. Ru- you they know would- it, I know it, everyone knows it. Yes, absolutely. But um, the, the Falcons are getting a four head start on the betting line. It's a four point crazy. head start. Crazy. I think I think my uh, bank account is going to be raided. But um, yes, yeah, so the I, I'm I want to take the Falcons. I really do. I just um, I think the the Bucks are going to win. They're going to scrape at twenty points to ninety. We then have the Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers, and I, the Cardinals are on their 19th quarterback with this point. So I've got the 49ers winning this one comfortably. Uh, not too many points, but I think the defense is going to absolutely swarm over the Cardinals. So I've got this one by a score of 24 to 6. I think you're being generous that the Cards are going to hold the 49ers to 24 points. I, I've, I've got this going a lot more. It's just going to heap a lot of pressure on Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I've I've got the point now, thirty nine points, and the Cardinals getting pinned to six. Then the Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Commanders, and I've got the Cowboys winning this one. Tim will be happy to hear that. Um, I'd, I've got actually got it going closer than most people would think, though. I've got the Cowboys winning this one by a score of twenty four to twenty. Uh, we've also got twenty. Po- I've also got twenty points for the Commanders, uh, but I've got thirty four points for the Cowboys. It- all depends on whether Taylor Heineke starts or Carson Wentz because it could be 34-0 if the Cowboys uh, are playing against Carson Wentz. So, uh, yeah, the Cowboys to win, but depends on the quarterback for the Commanders. We then have the New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm taking the Giants to win away from home against the Eagles. I never thought, I never ever thought I would say this this year. But I am taking the Giants to go into Philadelphia and walk away with a win, a sneaky win, by a score of 16-14. to 14. Ooh, I, I think there's going to be more points in this game uh, than that. Uh, I, I think the Eagles actually in overtime. So I, I think uh, there's going to be a field goal for the Eagles in overtime at Weigh 30 points to 27 victors. We then have the Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks, and I've got faith in your boys, Dave. I've got faith away from home against Seattle. Rams always play the Seahawks hard, and I've got them sneaking a win in this one. And a nice high scoring affair, you'll be happy to hear. Then Baker goes off in one, and the Rams win this one 31 28. I, I want to believe I really do I just don't think it's going to happen out of sheer loyalty I would go for a kind of 17-14 win for the Rams but what I think is actually going to happen is that it's going to be 24-13 oh. we then have the Los Angeles Chargers at the Denver Broncos and for the final game for the final game of the season I'm picking my Denver Broncos to win Yay. against I've not picked the Broncos to win in about 7 weeks I'm taking the Broncos to win this game, I think it'll be a close game, but I'm taking the Broncos to finally, finally break the 30-point mark. Ooh. And I've got them winning by a score of 30-23. to 23. I've got the belief as well. I have the Broncos win this one as well. I think it's going to be a, a really good But I'm taking the Broncos to win by 27 points to 24. Oh, I love it. I love it. And then the final game, we have the Detroit Lions against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. And I'm taking the Lions. I'm taking New York's Lions. Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to have them coming away with another close but high-scoring game here by a score of 
overtime 40 to 37 over the Packers. Ooh, well, I think it is going to be a really close game, but I, I picked the lines as well. 31 28. 3128, I like it. So there we go, Dave. That is our final rapid fire preview of the regular season 2022-2023. Now, after next week, we'll have a review, obviously, but then we're going to be looking forward to the playoffs. The playoffs. Mm. Playoffs? Let's insert a bit of Jim Mora there. Um, now, Dave, before we go on to random stats, Mm. before we do that, I'm I've gonna I'm gonna ask you. Um, to give me your prediction, not a prediction. That's that's a lie. I'm not looking for a prediction. I want to know who your dream matchup is for the Super Bowl. Just assume every team, including the ones that are still in contention. So you're allowed to pick the Steelers. You're allowed to pick the Dolphins. Okay. Mm-hmm. Assume every team in contention has the ability to make it to the big game. Mm-hmm. Which two teams do would you like to see? What would be the best matchup for you, regardless of whether you think they can make it or not? Who would you just love to see in the Super Bowl? I mean, NFC. I can't see past the Lions. The Lions, the most exciting team. There's just no doubt about it. The Lions are brilliant. I, I, I love Dan. I'd love to see him take the Lions to the Super Bowl. Absolutely, would love it. For their opponents, I would love to see the Dolphins. I would love to see a shootout between a, a healthy tour uh, with, with uh, Terry Kill, with Jalen Waddell uh, at wide receiver, and then for the Lions, just everyone that they've got. A big shootout between the Dolphins and the Lions would be my ideal one. What about you? I would like to see the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. I want to see Patrick Mahomes versus Brock Purdy. (laughs) That's what I I want. I want that matchup. It's not what I was thinking you were going with that. No, that's what I want. Against the the kind of best performing defense. No, no. I want to see the the best quarterback in the NFL right now, um, definitely the best of the past, Five, six years, you could argue the best quarterback we've ever seen. It's mm-hmm. hard to make that. He's only played, you know, five years. Against Brock Hardy. I want to see that against Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> and I don't care who wins. That That's from what I have. I, I don't care. If Patrick Mahomes wins, I'm, I'm neither up nor down. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. He, if he wins another Super Bowl, he deserves it. If he wins three in a row, he deserves it. But if Brock Purdy wins, ah, forget about it. <laughs> if, Purdy, if, Pur- if the 49ers reach the Super Bowl, then I would want to see either the Bengals or the Jags there. Because who are their quarterbacks? First picks in the draft. Yeah. Can you first imagine overall, what the marketing, yeah. First overall pick versus Mr. Irrelevant. Mm. I, I, I would love nothing more than to see the 49ers get... Get to the Super Bowl. In fact, that, that's what I want. I want the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl. Whether or not oh, they win stop. it, I don't care. Oh. But I, if, see if they got carried by that defense and by Christian McCaffrey all the way to a Super Bowl. And you know what? It could happen. Exactly, it could, it, yeah. This could happen. I know it sounds far-fetched, 
I understand that. Um, they're on their third quarterback this year, the 49ers. And all mm-hmm. they're doing, all they're doing is winning games. They're just, they're just winning games based on Christian McCaffrey and that defense. Brock Purdy hasn't yeah. had to win a game for them. He hasn't had to. Um, and yet. Not yet. But the reality, yeah. the reality is, right, they could go into the playoffs, right? They could be playing. Um, let's see, who could they be playing? If they made the playoffs, if they go into, well, they've made the playoffs. They could be playing, mm-hmm. right, the Detroit Lions, the Green Bay Packers, the New York Giants. They might play the Giants. Yeah. I, I I think the 49ers beat the Giants. I think the with the Lions, the it depends which Lions have, turn up. The 49ers could have the one seed the Philadelphia loses. Yes, exactly. that is true. So they could have the first round by and then meet whoever, you know, scraps at that one. It could be the Giants. They might meet the Giants. They could meet the Giants. They beat the Giants in the Divisional. They go into the NFC Championship game. We don't know who they're going to meet. They could mm-hmm. meet the Vikings. They could meet the, they could meet the Buccaneers. They can meet the Cowboys. They can meet the Eagles. And I think they can beat every single one of these teams. I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. No, you're right. Yeah. It's it's but, I know it's far fetched. You know, they've got their third quarterback, and you look at the Cowboys and the, and the, the Eagles, if they stay healthy. But look at the Vikings. They have had their snot knocked out of them by the Packers this week. They gave up 33 points and one half to the Colts. The Lions have a great offense, but that defense, it, when it's on form, they're good, but they've been gashed too many times. That's why they're 8-8. Eight eight. The Buccaneers, I don't trust them to win a skipping competition. Although the inevitability of Tom Brady annoys me. Yes. Yeah, that 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 is what I'm worried about with this postseason, <laughs> that the Bucs go sneak, yeah. Oh, I'd um, be, oh just, I honestly, if the Buccaneers... Make it to another. Uh, if Tom makes it to another Super Bowl, then I hope they do play the Chiefs, the Bengals, or the Bills, and either one of them just absolutely slaughters them, seventy-seven to nothing. That's what I want. Mm. Just, that's what I want. If the Buccaneers make it, if honestly, if Tom Brady makes another Super Bowl, I'll be raging. Oh, I can't handle that. Anyway, uh, so that's my dream matchup: 49ers versus the Chiefs. That would be brilliant. But I, I would have no qualms. Well, like you said, see if the Jaguars. Got in. Oh, yeah. no, no issues with that. No issues if the Lions make it. But I would love to see the 49ers. <laughs> I'd love to see Mahomes against Purdy. That'd be absolutely amazing. That'd be the best. So, Jake, we'll put it to you. What would be your dream Super Bowl matchup? Of all the teams who are still eligible to make the playoffs, um, which two would you just like to see in the Super Bowl? No prediction, just who would be your dream matchup? Not not a prediction, but possibly likely. I, I'd love to see two lots of fans go at it pre-game. I'd love to see the Buffalo Bills against the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, that would be box <laughs> office TV from before the game, during the game, and after the game. There would be something on TV to watch that even someone that doesn't watch football would enjoy. I mean, I, I hope at the halftime it's just a... Yeah, let, let's throw in an octagon and just get the fans in there. Like, <laughs> screw getting a music act. Let's let's put the the Bills Mafia against the, the Eagles fans and just see what happens. I, I think uh, the tailgating would probably pull in more viewers than the game if that was the case. <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be something else. Bills and the Eagles. Might be, 
Yeah, it might be a game that has half the seats empty because there's still going on in the tailgating. I mean, <laughs> it's got so intense in the tailgating they forgot that the actual game's on. Oh my word! Who is the halftime show this year? Do you do you know? Do we know? I'm sure. We probably do know. I can't think. I, I, I mean, can't. now all I'm thinking about is you know Bruce Buffer introducing <laughs> someone from Bill's Mafia. But oh my word, that would be absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be quite a matchup. Obviously, the Bills um, been to four Super Bowls, never won uh, those those four in a row in the nineties. Eagles do, of course, have uh, a Lombardi um, uh, back in the Doug Peterson, Nick Foles uh, days. Twenty, oh my word, was that 20, 2018? 2018? Do you know what? I can't even remember what year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, they do have that one. Um, so they've they're one and three, I believe, in the Super Bowl, whereas the uh, Buffalo Bills are zero and four. Um, it would be nice for Josh Allen to to pick up a ring there, but I think you're right, Jake. Just those fans going at it would be absolutely uh, must watch TV. That would be a, a better spectator sport than the game itself. Absolutely. I think we owe an apology to Rihanna, who is the half-time oh, entertainment, sorry, but I, I still stick with my point that Bruce Buffer introducing Bill's Mafia against an Eagles fan in an octagon <laughs> would be box office. Um, but yeah, it would be great for Josh Allen. I, it would be great for the Buffalo Bills, especially after last night. I mean, absolute thoughts mm-hmm. and prayers to Damar Hamlin after, after last night. Still don't have an update. Um, but this could be something that, you know, hopefully the Bills can rally around. Hopefully we get good news and they can use it going forward in a positive way. That, that that would be the best kind of outcome we can wish for. And thank you very much for that, Jake. And uh, we shall catch you soon. So there we thank go, you. Dave. There we go. We come to our very, very last segment, which is, of course, Random Stats. Random Stats. Random Stats. Random Stats. So, Dave, would you like to go uh, first? You, well, do you do you want, why, don't, why don't you yeah, go before you, me? You go. F- no, you okay, go. Okay, I'll, 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 no, no, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go before you. I'll go. <laughs> then you, go. you Okay. And then okay. we can hand over to Jake for the last one. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So my random stat concerns offensive futility, as quite often my random stats do, because there's nothing better than reading about teams or players who are rubbish. I love it. Yes. So. We have spoken in the past, I don't think it was an actual random stat, but this has been brought up in the past, is that the Chicago Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer in a season. This has been mentioned, I know this. Now, so I looked looked this up and I was thinking, well, who has the worst, which, which, which player has the worst passing season, which is a franchise record? Okay, now because we all know the Bears have never had a four thousand yard passer, we uh, it, that this didn't take long for me to find. Um, it was Eric Kramer who used to play for the Detroit Lions, and in nineteen ninety five, he for the Bears he threw for three thousand eight hundred and thirty eight yards. That is the record, the most yards passing in a season by a Chicago Bears quarterback, right? So then I thought, well, what is the fewest yards gained by a franchise leader in rushing? What's the fewest yards for franchise record in rushing? I came up, I came up with a name. I came up with a name by a man called Rudy Johnson. And Rudy Johnson 
um, for anyone who doesn't know, was a running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. And in 2005, he rushed for 1,458 yards. That's a Bengals record. And it's the fewest yards by any franchise record holder. He's the only player. The, the, the Cardinals, not the Cardinals, big fan. The Bengals are the only team not to have a single rusher go for 1,500 yards in a season. Now, to put this into perspective, Barry Sanders averaged 1,500 yards a season over his 10-year career. So what does that tell you? He was in a league of, um, world of his own. He certainly was. But unfortunately, so was Rudy. <laughs> yes. Wow. The yeah. only, the, the, so the, he holds the Bengals franchise record with 1,458 yards. That is the lowest by any franchise in the entire NFL out of all 32 teams. And funnily enough, Rudy Johnson, his number was 32. And that is so my I, random stat. That's, I, like, I really like that random stat. So now uh, thinking back to, I'd say around two, the 2000s, um, Corey Dillon would have been the Bengals running back. He was, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure the exact he, years, but yeah. Yeah, but I'm get, I'm guessing maybe he had a couple of injuries because I thought he, he was a real... He, he was... He, he racked up some yards, but he didn't quite get the records. No, Cody, Cody Dillon was um, a great running back. Now, what years did Cody Dillon play? Can, can, can we remember when he played? Ooh. Bear with me, I'll get it. Oh, um, it was the early two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he was drafted in ninety seven, and he was at the Bengals to the end of the three season. Um, and in two thousand, he had his career high of one thousand four hundred thirty five rushing yards. Wow! So there you go. Uh, yeah, do you know what? I'm actually checking it. Cody Dillon had his career high at New England in 2004 <laughs> when he went for 1,635. His first year after leaving the Bengals. His first year yes. after leaving the Bengals, he has 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns. <laughs> wow. um, so, yeah, but, I mean, there you go. He had one, two, three, four, five. He had six straight 1,000-yard seasons with the Bengals, Corey Dillon. But it's still not enough to crack Rudy Johnson's 1,458 yards. And that was in 2005. It doesn't, it, it doesn't seem that long ago that Corey Dillon was running up the But here we go. Probably puts mine a little bit to shame. But um, what my random stat is, is I want to focus on one player. And that would be Tavon Austin. Now... Stephen Austin was drafted into the league in 2013 by the St. Louis Rams. Now, what was unique about this is he was one of our last first round picks in a draft uh, in 2013 because he was the eighth pick in the 2013 draft by the Rams. Now, so, uh, a lot of people still go on about Tavon Austin in college. And the reason for that is his highlight reel is just to die for. It really, he was amazing in college. It was just, it was, it put some people to shame. He was at West Virginia College. So from 2009 to 2000, he played in 52 games. Now, Tavon Austin is a wide receiver, but he was also used as a running back as well and as a special as well. So just some of his college stats, first of all. So 
52 games played. He had 280 receptions of six per game. Uh, and he he caught for he ran for 3,413 yards with these receptions, getting 29 touchdowns. Now that's brilliant figures by any collegiate athlete. He also had 110 rushes for over a thousand yards and six touchdowns. He had one punt return for a touchdown and four kick returns for a touchdown. Now his receiving stats, his speed, immense. They were all at the top uh, in the what's it called again? The, uh, in the workout, the pre-workout um, combine and the combine. I don't look. I've been awake oh for you know. So, uh, I'm losing. But, um, yes, the combine. He, he was you know, he was fast. He was professional. He had four four point three four four. It's pretty quick. Um, he had amazing hands, and he was drafted by the Rams as the eighth pick overall. Now, what happened basically is that he he was drafted to be a to be a wide receiver primarily. Now he played in uh, well, while the Rams were in. He played in forty four games there. He only started twenty six of those games. But he, he didn't have that great uh, stats in those seasons. So uh, he basically had uh, just over a reception across these three seasons, racking up a thousand yards. Okay, so the average of 10, yeah, that's fairly good. He only had nine touchdowns in that time, though. However, he ha- in his career, he had three punt returns and a couple kick returns as well. But the man who was touted as being one of the best wide receivers coming into the league that year was essentially almost sent packing and dropped down the pecking order to fourth or fifth choice wide receiver when Sean McVay came in. Mm. Sean McVay, who, uh, who, as we all know, likes uh, a, shall we say a jet sweep? Likes a good few jet sweeps. I, th- I think anyone can see that watching the Rams. Tavon Austin, his rushing was primarily jet sweep. If he was on the move, you were wary of the jet sweep because they were going to get to him. He was dropping down the pecking order again and again and again. And eventually in 2017, after five seasons at the Rams, he was released. He's been at the Cowboys, at the Cowboys. He's been at the Packers. He's been at the Jaguars. So even though he was setting record numbers, setting college num- uh, college uh, high West Virginia for you know just the amount of rushing, the amount of receiving yards, he couldn't really make it in the NFL. He is currently on. Uh, he's been in a couple of squads. I think he was most recently at the Bills practice squad. Just hasn't worked out for him. So his career at, uh, at the moment is he's had 244 receptions, 2,200 receiving yards, 16 receiving touchdowns, and he's had three, uh, three returns for a touchdown in his career. But for someone that was eighth pick in the draft, Rams cut their losses because he just wasn't quite what he turned out to be. And I think that's what the Jets should do with Zach Wilson. And that is my random stat. That's a very good stat, Dave. I enjoyed that one. Well, Tavon Austin, I'll never forget that uh, fantastic fake catching the punt against the Seahawks. Uh, yes. But he just sort of falls backwards and the entire Seahawks punt coverage it just like closes in on him. Meanwhile, I 
I forget who actually had the ball. His, or maybe it was Stephen Austin yes. had the ball, and and the 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 other um, um, punt returner like fakes the catch, and he's just bombing down the sidelines with no one even close to him. It was hilarious watching Pete Carroll's face looking mm-hmm. at him, just chewing his gum. Yeah, he, it was amazing. He was he was the one. Yeah, he was the one that uh, he just pretended to call for the basically. Um, yeah. But the ball had gone to the other side of the field, and it was Stedman Bailey who then returned that punt. So it just left the entire field wide open for him. It was brilliant. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure we won that game by 26. So, yeah, it worked. It worked. Game winner from Team Ono. So for our final random stat, we're going to hand it over to Jake McGee. What have you got for us for random stats? I'm going to take it home with a, a team I've been quite heavy on this year and a team on a two-game losing skid that I still have faith in. It is the Philadelphia Eagles. They are the first team to have four players record 10-plus sacks in a single season. That's uh, Hassan Reddick, Josh Wett, Javon Hargrave, and Brandon Graham. Um, That's since the individual sacks have been recorded in 1982. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also the Eagles having five consecutive games with six-plus sacks, which is the longest streak by any team in the Super Bowl era. I mean, as soon as they get Jalen Hurts back and they, they get back into the groove... Hopefully with a first round bye, you know, if they take care of business this week, um, I think come the playoffs, they will refine their groove uh, and go on to, to win it all. So this defense will, will help, um, but obviously once they get their, their star quarterback back back and arguably the MVP, uh, especially not often when you get injured, does your MVP stock go up? But the last two weeks have probably proven that he is the MVP. Um, yeah, I think uh, the Eagles will fly. There you go, and that's that's four players with ten sacks in one season. Yeah, some teams probably don't have one, and the Eagles no. have four. So that's that's just greedy. <laughs> that's just greedy. It's... That's what that is. My goodness. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts. You, you're absolutely right. So Jalen Hurts goes down, and then the Eagles look pretty rotten without him. I think, yeah, maybe he was very good. Do you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of um, back in 20... You know how the NFL does its top 100 players? Yes. Um, every year they do the countdown. It's top 100 players. And in 20... I'm going to say 11, because it was 2011. That's why, Well, it was 2012, but the players who played in 2011. I think Peyton Manning came in 50th. And he missed the entire season. And I think it just went to show you that the, the the other players voted him as the 50th best player in 2011, despite the fact that he didn't play, uh, because the, the the Colts went from what was it 12 and four to two and 14 or whatever it was, or 13 and three to two and 14, missing one player. Um, and Jalen Hurts' stock definitely went up since he hasn't played. I think it just really shows exactly how much the Eagles. Um, how much he means to that team because he, I mean, he, he's been having a sensational year, Jalen Hurts. He really was. And I think it's, it's a shame that his injury sort of derailed it. And some people will look at the, the MVP voting and they'll look at the numbers and uh, they'll just say, because, well, you know, obviously my, my pick is Patrick Mahomes. I've, I've never made no, uh, you know, I've never tried to hide that. They'll look at his numbers. He's, you know, he's over 5,000 yards in the season. He's over 40 touchdowns in the season compared to Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts' efficiency has been off the charts. 
it's been absolutely incredible what he's done this year. So um, I hope you're right, Jake. I hope he does come back um, uh, for the playoffs. Uh, if they do manage to win uh, this week, they should get the, they will get that first round by. Um, but the, the Minnesota Vikings are, are still nipping on their heels there for to try and get that uh, that number one spot in the NFC. I thought, yeah, as are the 49ers. I mean, the 49ers are the two seed with a, a win over the sorry Cardinals. They will confirm that. Do you know, I, I, uh, they, I forgot about the 49ers. Yeah, and if so, if the Eagles fail to beat the, the Giants, the, the 49ers should easily beat the Cardinals, and the 49ers would be the number one. So the Eagles still do need to take care of business this week against the Giants. I mean, Giants have confirmed they're in the playoffs, so will they rest players going into the wild card, or will they try and uh, really upset the Eagles just to maybe win that mental battle. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what the, what the Giants do this week. I think they're just so happy that they're in the playoffs. They're, they're taking it's the week so off. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you are guaranteed to be playing in the wild card, whereas the Eagles uh, can get the bye. So if I was the Giants, I wouldn't be taking too many unnecessary risks. No. Uh, but that, that carrot of upsetting the, the Eagles and maybe derailing them mentally before going into the playoffs also would be would be a nice thing to have. It certainly would. Thanks very much for that, Jake. There you go. So that's the end of our show. Thank you very much, Dave. Appreciate you being here. Always my pleasure, buddy. And a big thanks to Jake as well. And thank you all for listening. Now, you can catch us, as I've said, on Twitter at The WinFL Show. You can also catch myself and Dave and Jake, indeed, on Twitter as well. And uh, before we go, as I said, next week next week's show is our final regular season show we will be doing the giveaway of the denver broncos von miller top in a is that a boys extra large yes it is indeed it's a, a broncos von miller top um it's i think it's it's a, it's a lovely orange you cannot get these kind of tops anywhere so it's a magnificent uh, piece it is uh, used and uh, worn but at the same time, it's a lovely collectible. And yeah, can't wait for the for the giveaway. Yeah, so we're going to be doing that giveaway uh, next week. So keep an eye on Twitter and we'll be doing that. Uh, and once again, a huge thanks uh, to Lewis Revival and the uh, Empty House Traders there in Stornoway. Yes. Um, do all their stuff and uh, the lovely people as well, by all accounts. So there you go. Thank you very much to them. Thank you very much to you for listening. And we will catch you on next week's episode of The WinFL Show.